Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Full Court Press podcast, uh, the only basketball podcast focused around Montgomery and Sumner County sports here in Tennessee. We're your hosts, Brady McAtamney. And I am Zach Womble, and we have a jam-packed stellar show for you today. That's right. We are uh, doing our usual thing with Players of the Week, Games of the Week, and our awesome 2-2-1. But we also welcome in the general manager of Pro Skills Basketball and head JV coach at Endsworth Basketball, Malik Mims. Yeah, so stick t- stay tuned for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And while you're at it, make sure you go like, subscribe, rate our podcast, leave a comment, let us know what you like, let us know what you don't like. You can find it wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it, it's there. So again, like, subscribe, we really appreciate it. And if you're already subscribed, do us a favor, unsubscribe, resubscribe, that pushes us up the charts, that messes with the algorithms in some sort of way that I'm not entirely sure about, but I know it's good for us. So if you would, please make sure you go like and subscribe to pod. I'm just going to go straight into my players of the week this week yeah. um, because I know we got a lot. Um, might as well get straight into it. Um, I'm using a repeat name for my girls player of the week. We're going back to Tamia Scott. Uh, just still the best player in the county by um, by maybe a country mile. She's she's going to be up for Miss Basketball, but she had a big week this week helping lead her team over Rossview in a very, very close game. That was a, a one versus two seed uh, battle in District 10 girls. Um, she had 17 points and uh, was really kind of the, the leading force uh, in winning that game. Um, as far as my boys player of the week, I'm going with a new name, and that's going to be Messiah Ward for Rossview. He's a, uh, a guard there, a uh, sophomore guard, and he has really stepped up and become that team's leading scorer. Of course, I've talked about Ronald Jesme in there being really a, just a defensive force, six seven sophomore, but Messiah Ward is just a baller, man. This dude can score. For also a sophomore, him and Ronald are going to be running that district in not the not so far future. Um, this dude scored, I believe it was 17 points in a win also against Northwest. Um, just playing well all around. Had a good game against Kenwood in a win. Um, this dude can just straight up score, and he's a really good leader on the floor, especially for his age. Yeah, uh, two two good names. Obviously, to me, Scott, you mentioned going to be a missed basketball uh, candidate, nonetheless, um, and and one that has played well for her team all you know all season. You know, over here in District Nine, you know, on the girls' talk, it's you know who who's the top seed, who who can we expect, you know, who's coming in, and uh, not only do I get an opportunity to plug the pod, but also get an opportunity to plug Tamia Scott's name because obviously she's just been lights out all season long. Absolutely, and they actually went in and played District 9 juggernaut uh, Lebanon last week. Uh, Northwest uh, did not win that game, but they made it a lot closer than they did last year. I think it was a 50-39 uh, to 39 final score. The uh, Devilettes won that game. Um, but last year, they met in the region, and Lebanon won like 60-29. to 29. Yeah. Like, that was just a blowout. So that just shows how, how good Northwest has gotten between last year and this year. Is they've been able to close the gap on such an incredible basketball program in that short amount of time. And, and the, another th- point of that is it's not like Lebanon has gotten worse. There's a lot of people that would argue that Lebanon this year is a better team athletically than they were last year. So, yeah. um, you know, that's that's obviously going to be a matchup that 
we could very well see here in a, in a few weeks for, for that. Absolutely. Title. Absolutely. And um, actually I'm going to plug our podcast again. Uh, if you go and listen to last week's episode, we talked to Tommy Bryan, yep. uh, Lebanon. He covers the devil lets there. Uh, he's a, he's a big believer in the devil lets uh, he's been covering them, you know, as long as either of us have been alive, it seems like. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and he, and he believes in the devil lets this year. And, uh, you know, so, you know, go listen to that, get his thoughts on them, come back, and uh, that'll, that'll show you that uh, what I'm saying about Tamiya Scott at Northwest, that, that's serious. You're trying to ensure that Tommy never comes back on the podcast, Brady? <laughs> Man, we love Tommy. He, he's, he, he's, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my players of the week, I also have a, a, a new name for you, but also a name that I've said before. Starting with the girls, uh, Janae Newsom, Gallatin Sr. She yep. is just so good defensively, Brady. I mean, my goodness. She finished with 16 points against Station Camp last Tuesday. They didn't play a second game this week. They, they're taking a week off um, just to kind of get ready for that district run. Credit, yep. you know, credit them for planning the schedule the way they have to get a little rest before, before mm-hmm. when things get serious. But she had 16 against Station Camp in a 75-67 win. And, and while Marissa Words finished with 16, she was – Janaea was her primary defender. Uh, she frustrated Marissa. I mean, they battled both, all game long. I mean, both were – I mean, it was getting a little chippy, but it was it was a good chippy. It was never bad mm-hmm. or ill intent, nothing like that. But it was just – Just fun, grinded you know, out basketball. I mean, two, two high-caliber players competing at a high level. And, um, you know, she helped get Marissa in foul trouble late. You know, Marissa picked up her fourth foul with – like six minutes left in the third quarter. I mean, it was, I mean, it was early and that played a role, you know, credit the station camp coach for, for putting Marissa back in the game. And I, and I, you know, I have this set, the thought, you know, if a player's in foul trouble, if you sit them on the bench, they're not going to play anyway. So might as well play them, get some minutes out of them. If they foul out, they foul out, they were going to sit on the bench anyway, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he did that. He took that philosophy, but it hindered Miranda from, from playing, you know, tough defense, right? I mean, she would just have to stand there, arm straight up at the rim when someone yep. would drive or she'd have to let somebody go by because, you know, she couldn't get, get that foul. But yep. she picked it up on the offensive end, Marissa did, and helped make a 15, 16-point game in the third quarter, uh, you know, single digits. So, yep. um, all in all, it wasn't a bad game for Marissa. It's just what Janaea was able to do uh, while she was on the floor, helping them to the win and, and helping slow her down. You figure Marissa's guarded by anyone else, she could score 25, 30 points yeah. in that game. That's the thing. That's the thing. And she's shown that. And, um, but the thing about station camp that, that is impressive is they are having other girls step up and, and contribute in big ways. Ariel Everett, it seems like can average double figures in any game. You know, she can, she can drop 15, 16, 17, 18 points. They can hit threes, you know, so it's not just Marissa, but on that night, Janaea and the lady wave were just able to play very good defense and, and, and help them get the win. And then my boys player of the week, uh, Isaiah Davis, a new name, scored 18 points in their win over Gallatin on Tuesday with 12 first quarter points, really helped set the tone. You know, Station Camp got up by 30 at one point in the, in the wow. third quarter and pulled, pulled their starters with like five minutes left and played the rest of the game uh, with the backups. And, and, and just, you know, obviously Gallatin was able to, to cut into that lead and, and, and get it closer, but Isaiah Davis was just so good. Eli Rice was good, but Isaiah Davis gets the nod because he was able to set the tone with 12 first quarter points in that game. And then he dropped, you know, he scored six in a 13 point win over Wilson Central on Friday um, and got timely buckets. So I felt really good about naming both of those players as my players of the week this week. 
Yeah, definitely no arguments for me there. Those are two very, very deserving players and performances. Let's look ahead to some to some games that we've got highlighted this week, and then we'll also tie that directly into our two two one, where we give you two games, two players, and one winner for the week. Yeah, sounds good. So um, my girls' game of the week is going to sound a bit like deja vu. If you listen to last week's episode, I'm going back to Northwest and Rossview. They played last week. Do you? Is it? Is this? Is are they your beach? Are they your beach? Where I, I kind of. Where I have to start calling you out on, on always, you know, going to they, see. You know what, they might be. But, um, you know, they played last week. Um, this is a game that just happened. You know, they had to reschedule it because of COVID earlier this season. So they played on Monday uh, a week ago from they were recording this. And now they're playing again on Tuesday. Um, yeah. So that's just over a one-week separation. And their game last week was um, separated by two points. So this is going to be a heck of a basketball game. Two teams who just saw each other. Two teams who are, I don't want to say jostling for first place because Northwest pretty much has that locked down. But two teams that could very much um, win the district tournament. Um, and that's just going to be a heck of a basketball game. Obviously, I've, I've said all I can say about Tamia Scott. But um, Justin Woods at Rossview has done an incredible coaching job this year after losing about 90% of their scoring from last year's district champion team uh, just to come back and be so good this year. Um, so that's just going to be a heck of a basketball game. Um, for my boys game of the week, um, I'm absolutely looking forward to Friday. We're getting back to Clarksville Academy, um, a team that we haven't talked about too much, but they're playing good pasture. Um, you know, we're going yeah. to get a chance to see a guy like Isaiah West. Um, they, they've got a really talented basketball team. Our, our uh, coworker, actually, uh, Russell Bonosi, just did a great article on Isaiah West and good, the good pasture basketball team. Check that out on MainStreetPreps.com. Um, but that should be a pretty good basketball game. I expect good pass to win that. But Clarksville Academy has very good players. They do well at home, and that's where that game is. Um, so, you know, maybe there's a chance that they can actually win that basketball game. I'm really looking forward to getting to that game. It's the regular season finale. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, you mentioned good pass. They actually came up to Beach on Saturday and beat the Buccaneers in a two-point win um, in a game that I wish I could have saw, but it just happened to be during um, dinner celebration. Um, which is why I couldn't make it. But um, it looked like a fantastic game. I think Christian Shaw had 25 in that game. I mean, Good Pasture is just a very well-coached team uh, from top to bottom. And, yeah, them – I don't know how you can't say they're the fa- they're not the favorite to, to win it all in their classification, D2 single A. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just got so much talent right now. That's yeah. just a heck of a basketball team. And they were that way last year too. I mean, good pasture basketball right now, it's got to be as good as it's ever been. You know, I haven't been around forever, but it's yeah. hard to imagine them being uh, as, as good as uh, they have been. I don't want to – listen, they've got some history at good pasture. I'll just say that. They do. I, I don't want to be – I, I don't want to be incorrect in what I'm saying because I'm not 100% sure, but there's some, there's some good ban- banners hanging in that gymnasium. Um, yeah. You probably would have got a chance to see them this year had they had their Christmas classic um, that Absolutely. they post every year. But – um, unfortunately, they didn't obviously do the COVID, but they, they've got some history over Good Pasture, I, 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 and I'm pretty sure it's, it's pretty good. But you're right. I mean, anytime you've got, uh, you know, the team that they've got this year, it, it's hard to argue that it's not the best it's ever been. Absolutely. Some D1 talent for sure. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that team uh, going up against Clarksville Academy, who's uh, struggled a little bit this season, uh, but still got a lot of talent. Um, that's a team that is absolutely dangerous that I would be looking out for. And I know good pastors not going to overlook them. What about your two players? 
Yeah, so my two players, uh, I'm looking at uh, the Rossview side in that Northwest versus Rossview game. Uh, one player I'm really going to be looking out for is Sydney DeRoche. Um, she's a, a big player, probably maybe the biggest player in uh, District 10 uh, uh, 3A, um, but she doesn't necessarily play like it. And uh, for them to beat Northwest, I think she's going to need to play like the biggest player um, because that's kind of what you need when you're going up against Tamia Scott. Uh, you need someone to clamp her up, not let her get her looks inside, force her to go outside, which she can still score, but it's easier to guard her out there because she's just so long and tall that she can score much easier on the inside. So force her out there. And, I, and Sydney DeRoche is really the one player in the district who I think can force her to do that. Um, on the boys' side, my one player, I'm looking at Marcus Averhart for Northeast. They're going to Henry County on Tuesday, and Henry County just came out on Friday and beat the crap out of Clarksville High. I saw that. I saw listen, that. listen to this, Zach. In the first half, first half, Henry County shot 11 for 13 from three. Woo! Yeah, you're not going to see that very often. No. That is no. – I mean – I said, it, I said it on Twitter, that might have been the best offensive performance I've ever seen in high school basketball, maybe, maybe just in general. I mean, I mean, I don't, I'm terrible at math. I don't know what that percentage is, but it's efficient. It's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's bona fide efficient. Yeah. Um, you, you, can, you can shoot 11 for 13 in any, any, anywhere. Like Coach Ted Young told me for Clarksville, whether it's NBA, college, yeah. especially high school, that's going to be hard to beat. Um, so what Henry did, County. What did he say about? It? I mean, was it just one of those things where he was just like, "What do you do?" I mean, basically, yeah. He's like, I mean, they do that. It's gonna be, it's gonna be hard to beat them. They they played yeah. a really good basketball game. They actually came back, made it close at the end. But um, yeah, <laughs> anytime that happens, especially in your own gym, I mean, that's just deflating, man. You you have them come in and on and on TV because that was a uh, my TV thirty game. Um, and Henry County just came out and shot the, the living daylights Marshall out of the gym. Marshall better be glad there wasn't, there wasn't a student section because they probably would have blew the roof off that place. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but anyway, like I said, Northeast is going to Henry County. Henry County is coming off that incredible shooting performance. And um, Northeast is another team that can shoot the ball well, um, but usually their shooting kind of starts with uh, Marcus Averhart. In, in their games where they have lost, Averhart was kinda, has been kind of quiet. But in the games where they win, the big games where they win, Mark Saverhart's going for 15, 18, 21 points. And he's shooting the lights out of the gym. Um, so I think if he can have a good game, he's also a really good defender. And, um, I, he does, and fortunately for them, he doesn't let his offense to, uh, dictate his defense. Um, you know, you see that a lot in high school. You know, if a guy's not shooting the ball well, they might light, uh, let up on defense. He's not that way, fortunately for them. Um, but when his offense is going, he's really one of the best players on the floor, and he can really uh, galvanize the entire offense, um, open up that three-point shooting, open up the paint for Jalen Hooks, and um, and I think if he can do that, then um, Northeast can really get that big win against Montgomery Center, or rather Henry County, and um, help take them closer to uh, locking up the regular season in uh, District 10. Absolutely. Now, my one winner, um, I am unoriginal – and going to go back to Northwest and Rossview. Now, I have done doubting of Rossview all year on the boys' side and the girls' side. And that's well documented. The coaches know it. I know it. The players, I'm sure, know it. Um, it's, been a, it's been a funny joke all year. Um, but looking <laughs> at the girls' game, I think Rossview can take this one over undefeated 
in the district, I should say, in Northwest. Their only losses are to Clarksville Academy this season, who is undefeated in their district, one of the top teams in uh, D2, um, single A. And that was without Tamiya Scott. So that loss, sure, counts, but Tamiya's yeah. not there. And their other loss, like we mentioned earlier, was to the Devilettes, who is a state championship contender. Um, but I think Rossview can go in. It's at their own gym. Fans are being back allowed into the gyms now in, in Montgomery County. This will be the second week where uh, fans are allowed. Each player, I think it's two tickets per household. Um, and I think Rossview can come in. And I think that they can just barely eke out a win against Northwest. And I cannot wait to watch that game. There we go. Got it on record. Absolutely. Yeah, so – uh, my two to one is is pretty simple, Brady. I got I got some decently good games this week. Not a lot of great games, mm-hmm. um, so so it made a little bit of uh, you know picking and choosing here. But the boys' game on Tuesday, Gallatin versus Wilson Central, is massive, Brady. It is massive uh, for the simple fact that they are both uh, neck and neck in the division standings, five and six. Wilson Central is at six and seven. Gallatin at five and seven. Obviously, that tells you the winner is going to have, especially if it's Wilson Central, going to be up two games mm-hmm. on Gallatin. But if Gallatin can get that one, then you're obviously going to make some noise. So that is obviously yeah. – And you don't want to be that six seed. You do not. You don't want to be that six seed. You don't want to be it at all. Um, you want to be – obviously you want one through four because, you know, the the top seeds are hosting um, that, that first-round game and all you need to do is win one to make it to the region. So obviously top four is the goal. The problem is on, on the boys' side, I just don't know if that's possible for Wilson Central or Gallatin because um, Lebanon is two games up on Wilson Central and three games up on Gallatin with only a few district games remaining. So I just don't think there's enough time for either one of those teams to make up for that uh, those games. So um, that's what makes that game so much more important. Um, it's at home. It's at Gallatin. I would think the, the Green Wave coming off a very, very poor performance last week against Station Camp um, want to kind of right some wrongs and, and get back to the basketball that they know how to play. So um, that's a game that I definitely think Gallatin could win. Huge game. And then on the boys and girls side, but more so the boys side is Beach at Lebanon. Beach 10-3 in the league, Lebanon 8-5 and five in the league, Beach second place, Lebanon fourth place. Obviously, with only a few district games remaining, if Lebanon can win that game, Beach drop a couple, you just never know what can happen. So, uh, you know, on the boys' side particularly, I'm looking at Beach, Lebanon, boys, Gallatin, Wilson Central. But I also think Beach, Lebanon, girls, listen, I'm going to hit on this in a minute. Um, Well, I'll just go ahead and jump right into it. My two players involved. Yeah, let's hear it. Lacey Walmer for Beach. She's a post player. Everyone, Everyone knows about Bree Ellis, the guard that Beach has. Uh, she can guard. She can. Def- uh, she can get out and score. Uh, can, she can hit jumpers. I mean, everyone knows about her. But I think that game is going to come down to the play of Lacey Walmer versus Neosha Mason, um, and whoever Lebanon decides to put on the low block with her. Listen, Lacey can get boards. She can clean up uh, and make the easy scrappy buckets. She can score from the free throw line. She's not going to shoot from distance, but she's going to help space the floor. Maybe she hits from twelve to fifteen. She is going to be a huge uh, key X factor in that game if the beach girls want to have any chance of upsetting Lebanon. And then my other player is Ethan Rogers, a uh, boy basketball player for Gallatin. Um, Cade Martin is, is, is the leader of that basketball team. You're starting to understand what you're going to get from him each and every night. But if Ethan Rogers can hit from the way that he's been hitting last week from, from downtown, 
those Gallatin boys are tough to beat because threes are worth more than twos, right? And that's what I've heard. They shoot, <laughs> yeah, they they shoot a ton of them, and they can make. And if they're making them, look out, man, because they can score in the sixties and seventies in a hurry. And they like to play good defense. So um, that is a team that if they can open up the basket, look out for. So those are my two players and my one winner for this week. I'm going Beach Boys over Lebanon on the road to solidify uh, their spot as the two seed in District 9 3A. Right, how about that? And, you know, Gallatin kind of reminds me of those 2015 Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. Uh, the team that really gave me one of my worst days as a sports fan, beating Michigan State in the tournament. Yep. But that day, they deserved to win, man. That 15-2 upset, they shot the ball just so well. They were hitting every three that they took, it seemed like. And uh, Galton seems like a team that could absolutely do that, you know, get into a, a, a tournament and shoot the ball like that, just like the Blue Raiders did that, that night. And uh, who knows, man. They've done it before. I mean, I watched them upset the number one seeded Mount Juliet Bears – Right. at point and rigs out a lot a couple of those green hill players and the green hill coach i mean so you're right they can do it brady you had a fantastic idea last week let's let's do final predictions on uh district standings and i thought let's do it so you know with our districts matching up i had parents ask me on friday hey who's coming in from district 10 who who, who should we be expecting i had a beach parent asking me that so mm-hmm. why don't you let uh, the District 9 audience, let, or Wilson County and Sumner County, know what the district looks like and what you expect it to look like come tournament time. All right, I'll give you a little control over this one. Do you, you want to hear boys or girls first? Okay, yeah, sorry. Let's, let's, uh, let's go with boys for alphabetical order purposes. Okay, sounds good. So I think the top team in boys is still going to end up being Northeast, especially if they can win that, that game on Tuesday against Montgomery – or. I keep saying Montgomery Central because they're right. In, I got them right next to Henry County on my uh, oh, yeah. schedule here. Yeah. Um, so please just let me have this one um, <laughs> uh, against Henry County um, because Henry County is one of those top four teams in the district that is just super dangerous. Um, if they can win that game against Henry County, I think that they're going to um, end up being the one seed out there. Yeah. Um, two seed, it can really be anybody between Rossview, Clarksville, and Henry County. Um, but I'm going to say Rossview. Um, beyond that, I'm going to go Clarksville and Henry County as the top four. Okay. Now, I think any of, of those four teams can win the district tournament. Um, they all have very unique strengths and very real weaknesses. Um, and any of those strengths can come out and win a game on any given day against anybody, but any of those weaknesses can also come out and screw them. Yeah. Um, and from there, I think the uh, clear number five in the district is Kenwood. Um, they've beaten Rossview this season. They've taken Northeast down to the final shot. Um, that's just a really good team who's really a huge wild card. Um, they can come up with an upset on any given day. Like, I don't think anybody wants to be the four seed this year because they know that they'll have to face the Knights. Um, so I think that makes Kenwood the very clear number five. Um, I'm going to give Springfield number six. I haven't seen them too much, um, but I know that they are also very capable of winning big games. I think they actually did beat Rossview as well. Um, Rossview, is, that's, they're just such an interesting team. They've beaten Northeast twice. They beat Clarksville once. They beat Henry County. Um, 
I think they beat Henry County. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have this all stored exactly straight up in my head, but Rossi was a dangerous team, but so was Springfield. Um, anyway, uh, they, they, they have, they're not as good as Kenwood, which is why I have them at number six, but um, that's another team that I don't see them making a run perhaps, but could get a win. Um, beyond that, I'm giving Northwest number six, uh, number seven rather, just because they, most of the time they're going to have the best player on the floor with Amitri Moss. Um, but beyond that, not, not, a, not too much to be afraid of with them. Uh, and then beyond that, I'm going to go with Montgomery Central. They've got Asante Wimberly, very good basketball player. But again, not much after that. And then West Creek is uh, going to be the final seed. Um, kind of in a rebuilding year. They've got some, some solid players, Caden Pace, T. Anthony Wagner, um, but just not really enough to make a full run. Yeah. Um, and now getting into the girls standings, uh, Northwest Lady Vikings kind of have that top seat wrapped up for now. Um, I'd say that they're the odds on favorite to win the district tournament. Um, but that's not to say at all that there aren't teams that could beat them. Uh, and I think number two right now is going to be Rossview um, winning number two in, in both districts. <laughs> I've just realized. Um, but uh, like I mentioned earlier, Justin Woods, incredible coaching job. They've got some really good players. Um, no one star, I would say, but they've got four or five just really, really good players that they can jot out every night, start in some pretty good depth as well. Um, so I think Rossview may be the most well-rounded team in the district. Um, like I said, not really that star power, but just very, very good. Um, number three, I'm going to say is Clarksville High. Now, this is a team that does have star power. Um, Amari Berry on Friday night scored 27 points. This is a freshman. She scored 27 points and the game winner over Henry County. Um, she's just, I mean, next time we do our top five, she's in there for sure. She's earned it at this point. <laughs> um, she's, she's just so good and she can lead her team to a win any, any night. Um, they've got other good players as well. Sydney Weatherford, Aaron Lackey, uh, just a very solid overall team. I think they could absolutely make a run at the district um, and give district nine teams some headaches as well. Uh, number four is Henry County. Um, they almost had Clarksville beaten in their own gym as well. Uh, just a very good team. They've got um, some very, very good players, especially in the post, but some all some sharpshooters around as well. Um, number five is a team that I've actually co- talked to some coaches about um, who they, they say they do not want to be the number four seed because that means they have to play number five, and that's going to be in Northeast. That's uh, another team who I mentioned with Northwest in the boys' side. Um, Northeast girls are going to have one of the best players on the floor at any given time, and that's Sierra Bowser. She can, she's a very good slashing point guard, very good playmaker. She's got the dribble moves. She's a, a really good slasher. She can get into the post and score at will, set her teammates up if, uh, if the defenses uh, decide to collapse on her. Um, she, can, she can absolutely carry her team to a victory, but they've got other good players as, uh, around her as well. Um, so I think that's going to be the most dangerous five seed um, on either side. Uh, I, I, I really like them, and I know a lot of teams are very much afraid of them, of having to welcome them into their own gym. Um, number six gets kind of tricky because the rest of these teams kind of gel together. Um, but I'm going to say Kenwood is number six because they, again, some good players in there, not enough to really make things too dangerous. Same deal with Springfield, which is going to be my number seven. And then things kind of take a little bit of a dip from there. We go to Montgomery Central and West Creek, two programs who are kind of just rebuilding. Montgomery Central is going down to 2A next year just because uh, they, they've had their experiment in 3A. Um, yeah. 
and it's just, it just it just isn't working unfortunately so they're going back down to two way where they more likely belong and more likely can compete um but they're going to be uh my eight and west creek is my nine there we go there we go so that's uh, so district non-teams that's exactly uh what you wanted to hear so that's that's what brady gave to you and so now yeah, you and, and, and i know i know my district 10 teams are are wondering who they might see in the district tournament and i know a guy who can give me that <laughs> yeah let me get him on real quick all right <laughs> uh so listen I, I i think obviously i'll start with the boys um i think that the district tournament winner is going to be station camp um i they are currently the three seed right now at nine three um but i listen i'm never going to count out a seth, seth massey led team eli rice is as good of a player in the district as there is um, you know, Tyler Moore at point guard is solid. Donovan Smith at point guard is solid. They have they have guards who can handle the ball, Brady. And in the in a, in a tournament time, you need guards who can defend, who can handle the ball, who can handle the pressure, and they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they've got a big man in Isaiah, Isaiah Davis and Keller Da that one thousand percent can get the job done. Keller Da has been a part of this program, has been a lot of part of big wins as, as a senior. And uh, so he is as surefire as they come. Mentioned yeah, and, 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 you know, with Station Camp, I remember last year we were at Springfield watching the region tournament. And I remember watching that great uh, Station Camp versus Northeast basketball game. Yeah. Um, obviously, that was Kevon Blankenship's uh, last game with the team. Uh, yep. He's having uh, – he's been great, I, from what I know, in college this year. Yeah, he's um, having a, a great freshman year at Bryan. Yeah, absolutely. And um, – but it's, it's really bizarre to think that, you know, Station Camp – losing their best player, they might – they could possibly be even better this year than they were last year. Yeah, that's that's the thing, man. I mean, Seth Massey – District 9 is just full of so many great coaches, but Seth Massey is one of the, one of the best. Um, so, I'm picking his crew to, to win the district tournament. But don't count out Beach. Listen, anytime a t- you can nail from three the way that Beach – Shackle Island. Do. I mean, anytime you can shoot the way that they do, you've got, you've got yourself a chance. I mean, Christian Shaw – is, is as good of a boys basketball player in this county as there is. Him and Eli Rice, among the two best, to be completely honest with you. Um, but Green Hill sitting in that top seed, you got to give them a little bit of respect right now at 10-2, and two, um, despite losing a strange game at Gallatin where the, where, the, where the green wave shot the lights out. But, hey, Troy Allen and those Mount Juliet slash Green Hill basketball <laughs> players have, have uh, seen their, their upsets in that gymnasium in the past. So maybe there's just something there between uh, that coach and uh, the Green Wave or the players in the Green Wave. I don't know. But still, you have to give them their, their respect, and I think they're going to be a formidable opponent. And I absolutely expect them to move on to the region. And if, you know, whoever has to host them, if they do have to host, if they, if they do have to travel, you're in for a long night. I can just go ahead and tell you that much right mm-hmm. now. But as far as how I think it'll play out, so as I mentioned, I think Station Camp will be your one. I think Beach will be your two. I think you're going to get a Station Camp Beach championship. Um, I think Green Hill will be your three. Lebanon, your four. Gallatin is going to be your five. Wilson Central, your six. Mount Juliet, your seven. Hendersonville, your eight. And Portland, uh, your nine. Th- those, those bottom two teams, Hendersonville and Portland, they're kind of interchangeable. Hendersonville at two and ten, Portland at one and ten. Although Hendersonville has beaten them, so I guess technically they're not interchangeable at all. Um, <laughs> but but uh, you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. And then Wilson Central, Gallatin, and Mount Julia—they're all clumped together with seven losses. But I think Gallatin is the best of those trios, so I think they'll come out on top. And Lebanon going to be that fourth team. Green Hill third, Beach two, Station Camp one. 
That's how I think that the district tournament's going to play out. So, uh, you know, obviously you can do you can do your matchups from there if that's how it plays out. Mm-hmm. And then on the girls' side, it's obviously Lebanon's district regular season to win, right? I mean, thirteen and other than number one seed, yeah. they could win Absolutely. the tournament. I don't know, Brady. This is one of the. I, you never want to lose, right? You never. I mean, you're undefeated, like in any. Sport. I would hope not. You know, take the Titans for you know, take the Titans. You're 14 and 0. You're going to the playoffs. Isn't there a little nugget in the back of your mind going? <laughs> I kind of want to get a loss out of the way before. We maybe get... things are a little too good right now. Yeah. So maybe I don't know if that's a, a thinking. I I highly doubt that is a, a the thinking uh, in Lebanon. But I mean, anytime an undefeated team goes into postseason play, that thought is always in the back of your mind because you're because you're already knowing like. Hey, I've beaten every team I played twice. I should be able to beat them a third time. It's not that easy, not at um, all. especially if they play Gallatin. I guess I think Gallatin would is probably going to be the best bet of anyone to beat Lebanon in the district tournament, just because they play such great defense. Um, that said, they've beaten Gallatin pretty handily both times, so I don't know if anyone can beat them in the district tournament. So for for that, I'm going to just say. They, they, they cap off the regular season with the district championship. I think Lebanon is your, is your number one team. I feel good about Gallatin being the number two team. I do think right now current standings have Beach as three, Green Hill is four. I think that will flip-flop this week with Green Hill taking over as the number three seed and Beach dropping to the four seed. And then five, six, you have another tight matchup with Hendersonville and Station Camp. Give me Hendersonville over Station Camp. Uh, as that five seed, I think Station Camp stays the six seed, and the last three teams: Portland at three and ten, Mount Jul- or Wilson Central at two and eleven, and Mount Juliet at one and ten. It's going to take some 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 good luck, some good fortune, and maybe some some bad games on the other end if if you want to see some upsets. I think from those three teams. Yeah. So basically, what I'm hearing from the girls' tournament is that we get uh, Janai Newsom versus Amari Berry in the region. That could absolutely happen, and you know what? That's going to be as good as they come, man. I'm telling you right now, Janae Newsom is – she is a fierce defender, man. It, you ask you ask anybody, not just on Gallatin. You ask other coaches. You ask other players. You ask other people who have covered games. You ask fans. They will tell you number 30 in green is the real deal on the defensive end. I, you know, I don't know if that tra- – I don't think that's going to translate to, you know, a Power 5 scholarship offer or anything like that, but I do think – Defensively, she is a three and D type of player that can turn in that could that could help a, a program somewhere along the line. Surely, mm-hmm. I mean, man, she's just she's gonna work. She's gonna work whoever she has to defend. I mean, it's just plain and simple. She's as good as they come on the defensive end. Yeah, ask any college coach, and they'll say that work ethic translates across yeah. any level. Um, absolutely. So absolutely, but. Well, there you go, District 10. Uh, if, if that's who you're looking out, that's who you're looking out for. If you, if you're looking ahead that far at uh, this moment. That's who you got to look out for right now. Um, so those are our district, uh, our district predictions. Brady, I want to throw in a quick nugget, if if you if you will. I know we've been talking a while, but don't want to leave out Merrill Hyde and JP two in Westmoreland and White House from. I, we never talk about them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Westmoreland and White House are in the same district, nine double A. Westmoreland girls are. They're lights out, man. They they're gonna win that district. Um, they they're just a good basketball team that will make a run at it. JP two, they're in a tough league in, in D two AA. Uh, the the girls and boys are both taking their lumps in, in district play this year, region play, I should say. Um, the boys being in last place, the girls being uh, they're I guess they're sixth, fifth place. Uh, they're not in last place. Saint Cecilia 
and Harpeth Hall are, are underneath them, but they're just in a tough league. Um, they are talking about JP two. And mm-hmm. so um, obviously not overlooking them by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just, it's tough that they're having, they're having tough years this year. Um, and then Merrill, but Merrill Hyde, let's, let's mention them. They're in first place in their league. They're going to probably make it all the way to regions, both boys and girls. They match up with a, you know, some Nashville schools, some academies, if you acknowledge academies, Valor College Prep, mm-hmm. things of that nature. They'll make it to the region tournament. And then like a lot of years, they run into schools like Eagleville where have a much bigger population than them uh, or just bigger schools. And they just kind of run, they just kind of meet, meet their match, if you will. Um, yep. So want to give a little bit of a shout out to those schools that we haven't forgot you. We haven't forgotten about you. We haven't overlooked you. Um, but it's just kind of how, how the year's playing out this year. Yep, and I, I do also want to give a shout-out to Clarksville Academy. Of course, I've, I've, I've had a chance to talk about them a little bit. I even mentioned them earlier today. But on the girls' side, Charles Clark has done an unbelievable job with that team this year. He went uh, from Kenwood, which is admittedly a bit of a uh, project right now, um, taken over for Carrie Daniels, former Austin P head coach. She yeah. went to Indiana up to coach her high school alma mater after leading um, Clarksville Academy to a state tournament berth last year. He took over that program who lost Sydney Boykin to uh, graduation. She's playing at Mercer right now, playing quality minutes for a Division One school. Um, and he's got them undefeated this year in district play. They're one of the top teams in division two single a. Um, So just a huge shout out to coach Clark. He knows that uh, I think very highly of him and I'm sure he feels the same about me. I hope so. Um, (laughs) But uh, he's a great coach. It's going to be an incredibly tough call to choose my coach of the year between coach Clark, Justin Woods and Ben Wallace out here. Just a lot of really good coaching talent. And um, I expect to see Clarksville Academy make another run at that state uh, tournament berth. Real quick, speaking of all county, man, I started to think about it and I already get a headache. There's just so oh much. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, it's going to be incredibly d- difficult to choose this year, isn't it? Absolutely. Closing out today's show is going to be Sumner County's own Gallatin graduate, Malik Mims. Malik is now the head basketball coach for the junior varsity at Innsworth and also the general manager at Pro Skills Basketball. He drops a lot of knowledge in today's episode. Enjoy. We welcome in general manager of Pro Skills Basketball and head JV coach at Innsworth, Malik Mims, to the show today. Malik, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, man, we, we really appreciate you doing this. We really appreciate you taking the time to help us, you know, get the word out. And uh, obviously, as someone is, is in the basketball world like yourself, definitely wanted to get connected. So, yeah, just appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, I just wanted to start with a couple couple quick questions with you. You know, where are you from and, and how did you get into coaching? What got you into coaching? Yeah, man, uh, from Galveston, Tennessee. Uh, played for legendary coach Bobby, Bobby Luna. Uh, came up there and uh, played at Columbia State for a couple of years before finishing up at MTSU. Uh, just always knew playing the point guard position uh, and even on the football side playing quarterback that, that I would be doing something in player development or coaching just from – those things, those positions, you're kind of a, a coach on the field or a coach on the court uh, in those positions already. And that was kind of my – one of my best attributes, I'd say, while playing was just my ability to to be that second coach on the field or on the court. So I would say as early as, man, dribblers at Gallatin Civic Center. Yeah, so um, so you are involved with uh, Ensworth High School basketball, not just one of the best uh, basketball programs in – uh, D2 2A, but in all of Tennessee right now. Uh, tell us a bit more about uh, what you do with the Tigers. Yeah, man. Uh, first year on, uh, I'm doing a lot of player development, skill development, but then uh, head coaching the JV team. So um, 
I'm involved in all things basketball out there. I help with a lot of the camps, the clinics uh, at the upper and lower school, um, usually sitting in at the end of varsity practices when we get finished with JV. Uh, just per COVID this year, we split everything up as most people have. But um, any and everything basketball on the boys' side, um, I, I, I'm, I'm involved in some capacity for sure. Malik, I want to go back to uh, a little bit of time, uh, you know, being from Gallatin. I know our Sumner County listeners, Gallatin listeners will appreciate that. You know better than anyone, Gallatin fans are, are very passionate and they love their Greenway players. Uh, what do you recall about your time just playing ball there, both football, basketball, and just, just being entrenched in the Gallatin community? Uh, exactly what you said, the fans. Uh, on Friday night, um, especially around that time, I graduated in 2008, uh, still, the internet is very new, so people don't really have those things to do. I mean, the, the show is at uh, what's now Coach Radenberg Court or over at the Wave Yard. So, you know, you're doing those things on a on a Friday, and it, it essentially feels like the whole town is shut down. Yeah. Uh, some of my best memories are not even, I guess, the on-court stuff or the actual game, but it's it's the fans, it's the paint crew, uh, it's all of those, you know, just, just the, the crowd and the lunatics, you know, as yeah. they started up. So yeah. just all of that, being able to come into that gym and have that home court environment. And one quick thing about that home court environment, I don't know if you guys have been around long enough, Zach, you in particular, but when I was playing, and it's funny to hear people talk about it now, the lights were yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it was always when guys were coming in, they would be like, and I talk to people now, they're like, man, we hated playing there. Yeah. And we loved it because you had to come in and it'd take you a whole half to get adjusted just to the, the color in the gym before you can really, uh, you know, really make some shots. So, so to have that home court advantage was huge. That, yeah. would just, that would just be bizarre. And I tell you what, it made for a photographer's worst nightmare for pictures. If you didn't have, if you didn't have some auto adjust on uh, light fixture uh, app, you were, you were in bad luck or at least a good camera, but they've actually upgraded those lights now. So it's not, no longer yellow in there, Malik. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been back and it still, it didn't feel the same. Yeah, uh, you know those yellow lights. It's like you said. I mean, it just felt. I don't know, man. It it almost made us feel tougher because it had kind of a old school murky feel to it. Those yellowing lights, but yeah, that's that's one of my one of my favorite memories of the gym. Yeah, I, I really enjoy going over to Gallatin. It's kind of a shame, you know, with obviously fan restrictions. I do kind of want to get your two cents on that. You know, obviously being on the sidelines, I'm sure you've probably seen the effects of not having any fans, not having any student sections. Do you think it's been a negative impact on the players, or do you? view it as a positive where it's easier to communicate with your guys and things of that nature. How do you view that, that whole dynamic of not having a student body, not having parents, you know, fans come and support their kids and their, their friends and family. From a coaching perspective, I love it. Uh, Cause you know, they, they can hear everything I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, we can communicate really well. Uh, I, I would say twofold from a player perspective and just remember playing, it's tough to really build that momentum. Yeah. You know, as a player, you get a, you get a big dunk or a big steal or three straight stops and go down and score. You don't necessarily have that crowd behind you, you know, and, and more in particular with us uh, being Metro, we're under the ordinance. We've only been able to have one parent. Yeah. At the gym. So we're, had, we're handing out armbands and it's been one parent. So it's even less than what it is up here, which, you know, for the kids, it, I mean, being honest, it sucks because yeah. they want their classmates there. They, they want those, those student bodies and those student sections, but, from a coaching perspective, it's been a lot more teaching that I can do in game because it's easier to communicate. Yeah, I'd imagine some, some of those kids probably would like to have their girlfriends there show them uh, how <laughs> how well they can shoot a three pointer, right? Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, right now, the big news in Ensworth, of course, is uh, Sky and ZZ Clark uh, sitting out the rest of the season. Um, but that doesn't mean that all is over for Ensworth. You still got some pretty good players, uh, specifically uh, Malik Dia. Uh, what can you tell us and uh, listeners about his game and um, what the Tigers can do uh, without the Clark boys? Yeah, well, I mean, just to address the elephant in the room with, with the Clark boys, I mean, they are they are two of, and I don't say this because, you know, whatever. They're, they're two of the nicest young men I've ever been around. Uh, dad, same way. Uh, I mean, they were first in when we were having 6.30 a.m. practices. They were in a full sweat before everybody else got in the gym, aside from Malik Dia, because he's an absolute gym rat. But those two guys were first. Uh, they come back in the afternoon. They work out with well-renowned Andrew Fleming, uh, who does training, former um, Lipscomb, uh, Lipscomb guy who's also a, an alumni out there at Innsworth. But, I mean, just a phenomenal family. But as far as Malik Dia, man, he's the last two or three games, he's really come on. Um, yeah. I think he's really bought into, you know, guys our era, remember those guys 6'8", you didn't touch anything outside of the paint, you yeah. know, especially, especially in high school basketball. But he's a guy that, I mean, right now, he can score at all three levels. He can shoot the three. Uh, he can put it on the floor. Um, and he's really good around the basket. But he's bought in the last, I would say, two to three games into really being a dominant guy around the rim. And he's right around 20 and 15 every game that he does that. And he's a guy that, along with Tony Gaines and uh, Devaki Gar, who's starting to come on a little bit more now with the ball in his hands, is still extremely, an extremely dangerous team. You know, and I think they're starting to figure it out. I don't want to say in better because they're not relying on Sky or ZZ for shooting, but they're starting to really figure it out with that core group. Yeah, I got the privilege of seeing Malik play really in the in 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 the, in the Clark boys when they came to JP two. Obviously, Innsworth was able to handle that game back then. I think they won again on Friday. So obviously, they they've gotten the best of JP two both times. But I just walked away so impressed with Malik. I mean, he was just he didn't allow anything at the rim. I mean, he forced everything JP two everything from outside. You know, I don't know how many blocks he had. You mentioned he's a you know, a double-digit guy on, on points and rebounds. He probably could be a double-digit guy on blocks, too. I mean, he's such a long, athletic guy who doesn't bite on the ball fakes, you know, just really is, is grounded. And I know he's picked up some offers uh, along the way for college re uh, recruiting. Do you see him as, you know, a power five guy? Absolutely. Um, I think that as he continues to just buy into that mentality, it's funny because I have conversations with him, and I know him from the AU circuit and kind of just before – but, like, you know, hey, man, just just buy in to being a block-in guy right now. Like, you can – those power five guys, they're going to know in a workout or when they come to see you that you can do everything else because if you think back to guys even like KD early on, I mean, he wasn't shooting a ton of threes at Texas. A lot of stuff was in that 15-foot range in, um, you know, and just taking advantage of his size. So, yeah, long-winded way of saying absolutely. Uh, I think he's a power five guy, uh, especially now with the mentality he's bought into and getting that tutelage every day from Ron Slay. He, he's really getting better. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned AAU being involved in that circuit. Uh, you're involved with pro skills basketball, like we mentioned. Uh, tell us a bit more about um, how you got involved with them and uh, some of the things that you guys really try to do for your athletes. Yeah, so I was the North Nashville of Upward Stars basketball which is now Stars Basketball Club, which is probably one of the top three in the mid-state as far as numbers of teams. Um, a counterpart of mine now, who is our director, Lim Dozier, was coaching Middle Tennessee Soldiers. Uh, and we were rival programs and 
had an opportunity that Pro Skills just kind of reached out to people in the Nashville area who people had said, hey, these, these guys kind of know basketball and they've got a following. And they told us what they do, who they are, and, you know, just having all the corporate backing from junior NBA, USA basketball, and those partnerships, it made sense to do it. Because ultimately getting to the second part of your question for us, travel season at AAU is all about exposure. Uh, we want to make sure that we're getting our kids the, the right eyes on them, that we have the right people behind us who can actually help the kids uh, versus, you know, kind of travel ball gets that bad reputation of guys just wanting to make money and, you know, saying everybody's a five-star and those kind of things. And that's not us. We have guys that we know for sure are going to be D3 guys who are high academic kids who fit that, who are going to be potential Ivy League guys, D2 guys. We do all of that. So, our main thing is being able to bring a national attention to guys in this area, the North Nashville area, because it's just something that outside of Tennessee travelers, you know, and, and maybe a couple of other programs that have uh, fizzled out, you've just never seen that on that scale. Yeah, and, uh, and, and to kind of piggyback off of that, um, are there any guys in Sumner or Montgomery counties that you've seen or heard of or even have on your own uh, program that uh, you uh, have kind of kept an eye on? Yeah, in your backyard, J.J. Wheat, uh, yeah. he plays with us. Uh, J.J.'s now played for me. Um, last year was his full summer, playing, first time full year playing with us because he's always split time with MSE, uh, but committed to us and has, has played with us. Um, and, and Zach's backyard, got Christian Shaw. Uh, you have Andrew Page. Uh, you have Isaiah Davis, um, Tyler Moore. Um, and then, I guess, hot off the press, 2023s. Uh, Jalen Jones is going to play with us this summer from uh, from over in East Nashville. So top 2023 in the state right now. Wow. Uh, super, super, yeah. Yes. Yeah, big get for us, man. Super excited about about that and that team. Yeah. You know, you mentioned you're an 08 graduate. I am, too. You know, back when we played, AAU ball wasn't what AAU ball is today. Right. I mean, there were some teams around, but it wasn't as, as, as highly sought after as it would, as it is today. I guess when did you, as a coach and, and player and being around the game, when did you see that turn toward the importance of AAU? And I guess why do you feel AAU is so important to a kid's recruiting? Yeah, so like you said, I mean, in, in 08, it was coaches come see you in high school and then they might follow up with you in the summertime yep. to kind of see the competition you're playing against. Now it's the total opposite. Uh, we get the majority of those calls. Uh, they reach out to us, and his coaches watching via live stream, coaches sitting on the baseline uh, at AAU games. And I, I think the switch has happened. I don't want to say because high school basketball is less competitive because I think that would, that's, that's false. I, I think the kids are as skilled as they've ever been, and the game is in a great place. But I think being able to capitalize on going to an event and seeing kids from all across the country versus having to pop in and out of different high schools, you know, and, and really wasting your time as a college coach. I think it's just more convenient to come to those AAU tournaments. And then you can say, okay, this guy they say is a four-star and he's playing this guy who they say is a four-star and they're from different states. And you can really see what's what, you know, in one place. And I think as a recruiter and a coach, that would be a great benefit for me to just be able to pop into one tournament and see multiple kids. Yeah. What's the next step for pro skills basketball? Uh, so we just we're, we're taking that leap this summer. Uh, this is our first summer on the big boy circuit. Uh, we're playing on the Under Armour Rise, which plays their games under the same building as the UAA, the Under Armour Association. 
Um, as far as tiers going AAU, you've got Nike EYBL, which everyone is familiar with. And now Under Armour UAA is one slot under that. So you go there, um, UA Rise, and then you would drop down to Adidas and all of their circuits. But us having the opportunity as Nashville and surrounding areas to play on that circuit is, I mean, it's, I, I could go on and on on the benefits that it's going to have for kids like J.J. Wheat, who I feel like his recruitment is, is steady. But after being able to match up with some of those guards from around the country, I feel like it, it, it takes it to another level. For sure. Absolutely. That's the, that's the great thing about AAU. You know, you hit on it. Not that high school basketball is watered down, but the competition that you're going to face during the summer, AAU is unmatched that you're, that you're going to find during, during the regular season, despite whatever district you may play in. You know, I mean, you can have the most competitive district in the state and it's not going to match up to that UAA circuit that you, that you mentioned. Right. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, like you've got to think about and we've been so blessed and are in such a, a great time. That's why I don't want to say that it's watered down, because you think about all of the kids just in the 615-931 in our middle, greater middle Tennessee area right now that we've been able to see even in the last few years. I mean, you've got Wiseman, who obviously left and went to East, but he's a Nashville kid. Yeah. Garland, uh, Sky, you know, who was here, you know, who knows what happens with that ZZ. His little brother who already had an offer from Kansas. And then just other guys, Isaiah Wet. I mean, it's, it's so many right now in, in this area that it's like – and then even your mid-major guys, like Christian Shaws and, and guys of that of the world. I mean, it's just some really, really good basketball in this area right now. That's, what, that's why Brady and I started this podcast because we saw the same thing. It's like there's so much good basketball being played between our two counties. They, are, they match up during the region. Let's get a, let's get a show going let's, where we talk about these guys because – I don't think anyone else is. Let's let's try to bring some exposure to to some of these players, and you guys are obviously doing that on a completely different level, you know, with your AAU you know circuit. So, but um, Malik, man, I really appreciate you joining me today. But before we let you go, we know you got a podcast as well. So, can you tell our listeners where we can find you, what it's called, and what it's about? Yeah, man. So it's the Always Open Podcast. Uh, the the reason behind the name is we want to be always open to any conversation. Uh, Lim Dozier and myself, we are with co-host on there. Uh, Lim Dozier is our Pro Skills Nashville director. I'm the general manager. Um, my socials are pretty easy. It's just Coach Malik Mims, uh, I think, on, on both of them on Twitter and Instagram. From there, I have the link for our show in, in, in the bio. You can check it out there. Uh, we are on all platforms. So if you go and you search the Youth Hoop Hoops podcast is what you want to search. And then within that uh, comes the Always Open show. Uh, the Youth Hoop podcast is just the platform that Pro Skills uses. We now have about three shows on there, but Always Open is is my show in particular. So, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely go give us a listen. We cover everything, sports culture, uh, clothing. Uh, it's it's all there. It's really just barbershop banter, to be honest with you. We, we get on there and have a good time. So, barbershop banter is always a lot of fun. So I'm sure it's going to be a great podcast. I know I can't wait to find it. Can't wait to to listen to it. I know our listeners will will as well. So Malik. Hey, man, I really appreciate you doing this today. Absolutely, man. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate y'all having me on. Well, Brady, listen, man, I think that wraps up today's show. We've talked a long time. If you have stayed through this part, you are a – I mean, you're just a fan, and we really appreciate it, uh, as always. So, um, for episode eight, man, I, th- I think that does it. Yeah, if you, if you have listened this long, uh, why don't you send us each a tweet telling us what you ate for lunch today. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's how we know you'll, uh, you'll have uh, listened this far. And you know what? We'll, we'll follow you back if, uh, if you did that. Absolutely. So, Brady, hey, man, until next time, right? Until next time. Until next time.